0: their wisdom, and the things they've learned along the way. This week, we're joined by Campbell McPherson, an international business advisor, keynote speaker, author, and executive fellow of Henley Business School. Campbell's main purpose is to help CEOs align their people to a clear strategy to deliver sustainable change. His first book, The Change Catalyst, won Business Book of the Year in 2018, and his second, which we'll come on to talk about, is sure to be just as successful. We will talk about change and strategy because, judging from his CV, he is certainly qualified. So, to an individual that our paths crossed many years ago, and it's kind of surreal how we find ourselves (laughs) talking today, I do have to start by welcoming a kind of a long-lost friend in many ways, but thank you so much, Campbell, for being what I know is going to be an amazing guest on the Sandro Forte podcast.
1: It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me, and congratulations on the success of this podcast series.
0: Thank you. Uh, yes, well over a hundred now, and uh, but I I have to say. I don't want to tell too many people about this, Campbell, but I think you're going to be one of my favorites. Um, so, <laughs> once a salesman, always a salesman. So, um, tell me about Campbell McPherson. I know I know a bit about you, but lots of people don't. And no disrespect intended when I say that, but you are a man of... Um, you know your CV speaks for itself. A man of considerable talent, uh, have achieved some extraordinary things. I'm sure there's been a few bumps along the way as well. But just by way of background, Campbell, just tell us a little bit about you, your life, where you came from, kind of that journey, the condensed version of the CV, if you would.
1: Certainly, no, the CV um, you say speaks volumes. There's a there's a volume of it. It goes on for pages and pages. But uh, I, I was I'm Australian, so I was born in in Melbourne. I've been here for about 21 years. Uh, I went to school in Queensland uh, at a high school that was really only good for, for three things. That was uh, marijuana, surfing, and teenage pregnancies. And I was fairly rubbish at, at all three of those. So that was good. So then I went on to join the Air Force, actually, straight from, straight from school. And the reason for telling you that is that that's where the first introduction to change really, really came to me. Because I still have the, the honor, if you like, of being the worst pilot ever to make it to jets. In the Royal Australian Air Force, so the the main reason for that is actually that um, uh, that I had to memorise the eye chart because my eyes had deteriorated so badly, and luckily that didn't change it for three years in the uh, uh, in the air force back in the eighties. So every landing was a little bit um, of a surprise, uh, shall we say? So anyway, that career ended uh, relatively abruptly with one poor landing uh, too many. In fact, the landing was as I was coming over the. Uh, the guard box at the very front of the uh, of the of the airbase. It was a little bit too low, so low that the guard actually poked his head out from the guard box and physically ducked as I flew over, and he, my wheels almost uh, connected with his with his head. And when I landed, the instructor unscrewed the joystick and started beating me over the helmet, saying, "Don't you ever do that again?" So, so much the light of my uh, instructors. Uh, and armed with a physics degree, I then went on and, and started a million different careers, to be perfectly honest. And wow. where we met years ago, I think, would have been where I was um, just started in, in this industry, where I was, uh, uh, I put Sesame together, which was uh, at the time the largest IFA network. And then I went on to be strategy director of, uh, of Zurich. Um, uh, for the Emerging Markets Division. I, I was the founding marketing director of Virgin Wines. Um, I, just, I just spent a career of being tapped on the shoulder saying, do you want to try something new? And, um, yeah. and I, it's, it's been a fascinating ride, I must admit.
0: And I have to say, that's what's so remarkable, that the CV is so diverse, you know, wines and flying and financial services. Uh, you know, I can only assume, as we all would, that you must be multi-talented. But I suppose right place, right time, uh, seeking opportunity. We'll talk about all that because I think that's what makes you quite unique and a very, very interesting uh, podcast guest with lots to share. And. Um, We're going to talk a little bit about change and and some of the things that you now bring to so many people. What what are the biggest lessons you've learned so far on this incredible journey? Because before we uh, went live today, Campbell, we were talking about the fact that not many listeners ever believe that somebody that has been very successful has ever achieved it in a kind of linear fashion. It just doesn't always work out all of the time. So, despite the fact that you've gone from one success to another, uh, I'm sure there's been some bumps along the way. Overall, what, what have been those main lessons that you've learned? Has it been about trying lots of different things, connecting with different people, um, embracing change? I don't want to put words into your mouth, but it strikes me that you are very well qualified to give us an answer to this particular question.
1: Well, embracing change is actually the theme of of the second book, which is called The Power to Change, which is out in, in October. The, the first book, um, The Change Catalyst, was all about leading change. And that's for leaders to lead change in their organizations. But of course, they can't do that if people aren't ready, willing and able to embrace change. So the second book is all about that. And there's probably, it's a good question. I think there's three three things really that that I would advise anyone or three things that I have learned uh, about change. And that, and that is firstly, that all change is personal. Even the, the largest of organizational changes are really the myriad of a, of a, of a thousand individual transformations. And the second thing is that all change is personal. Um, uh, sorry, that was the first thing. The third thing is really all change is emotional. And and the third thing is we only change if we want to. So so as a leader, your task is to be able to help people to want to change because logic is only one fifth of the equation. Uh, take take um, Take uh, weight loss, for example, You know, 40%, I think it is, of Brits are overweight and 40% of Americans are obese, but we all know what we should be doing to eat well and and, and exercise more uh, and eat less sugar and less carbs and all that sort of stuff. But we don't do it because we, we get the logic, but what's the emotional trigger that we need to find that will unlock that reason for change and actually make us to uh, make us change or help us to change and and that's really what the second book is all about is is finding those emotional triggers to unlock your ability to accept uh, and embrace change one of, one of the we, stories that I yeah. that I heard sorry to one of the stories that I heard that, that I think was really answering your your first question is that someone said to me the other day that they were a very very lucky person and I went what do you mean by lucky they said well lots of people say to me I'm a really lucky person. And I said, but you don't seem to believe it. And they said, no, no, I don't. I just see opportunities where others don't. So whatever life deals you, if you can look for the opportunities, which to me is embracing change, that's what being a lucky person uh, is all about. And I think that's the definition of making your own luck. So I've seen opportunities in so many different um, areas, mostly after being made redundant from the last one, to be perfectly honest, um, <laughs> but seen opportunities in so many different, different areas. And, and you can take skills from one vocation to another so easily if you if you just believe in yourself.
0: There's certainly nothing wrong with being made redundant, especially if you're on a good level of pay and you've been there for quite a few years, huh? So, um, <laughs> uh, and I'm I'm going to come on to ask you because uh, lots and lots of people write in, um, and and they'll all be familiar with the email address um, hello at sandrofortepodcast.com, com. But a lot of people write in and say. How on earth do these people just start businesses? You know, so many years ago, you've already mentioned Sesame, for example, the largest financial services network in the UK. How on earth do you just come up with this kind of embryonic idea? And then, relatively speaking, five minutes later, there we are, we have this fully fledged, hugely financially successful business uh, in full swing. A lot of people just can't get their heads around it. So, what we end up with, Campbell, are lots of people listening to the podcast who've got great ideas. But don't seem to be able to get past the 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 apathetic stage of life, you know, the starting blocks, as it were, um, and and start piecing a plan together. Um, what advice can you give to people who have got a great idea that just don't know how to get going?
1: Okay, that that's a great question. Nothing to do with sesame. Sesame was was a. Uh, uh, a, a, a mad attempt for a, 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 a technology company who actually bought up five different uh, advice networks, and I was there to to smash them together and turn them into one one organisation. But but the the um, and the the core of your question is is fantastic. And weirdly, I've just finished writing a chapter of the third book that we're not going to talk about today, which is all about starting your own business and why older alt- entrepreneurs are actually more successful. And what I advise in that is it's not necessarily having the idea it's to take a step back and say what do i what am i good at what do i love doing what what am i going to be paid for doing what does the world need and where do those things uh, interact it's called uh, the japanese uh, system is called ikigai of those of those four different things what do i love what do i good at what do the world needs and and what am I going to be paid for? So, so, if you're thinking of starting your own business, I would start with there. I would I would start with with working out what are the skills that you can do to, to, um, to take to the to the market. And then when you do start uh, your own business, then it's really starting with why, as Simon Sinek would say. Why is this business going to exist, and for whom? And there are always two reasons with starting with why. There's the right reason, which is the customer centric reason, and there's the real reason. Which is your reason I've started so many businesses in the past and and the, the, the real reason is I needed a job I needed to earn some money um, uh, I was made redundant or I saw an opportunity to actually do it for myself um, then you can move on to all of the other parts of the business plan on what are we going to do how are we going to do it what's your ambition um, but the key tip I would I would recommend is lots of planning but don't actually suffer. From uh, analysis by paralysis. Sometimes mm. you just have to get on and, and actually try things out uh, and get going and really jump in the waters fine. The, the starting your own business is really exciting. And as long as your strategy is simple but flexible uh, and it's based on something you're really good at and that people need, then you will be successful. It may take time and there are all sorts of ups and downs, but, but you will be successful.
0: Good advice indeed. Uh, now, I, I, you used earlier this example of weight loss, but then it might be you know trying to kick a habit, might be trying to uh, move out of those starting blocks with a blocks with a great idea that I've already mentioned. Um, and no one is better qualified than a person who's written a book on the subject. So, why do you think it is that we? I know you know we talk about human beings as being creatures of habit. So, I I kind of understand the answer to the question to a degree, but I'm not sure I've ever got my head fully round it, Campbell. So why do you think it is that we generally struggle to adapt to change and accept change?
1: Of there's, there's there's so many different barriers that we erect to change. Um, mostly it's a fear of failing. Um, there's we, we, we fear of either not living up to our own expectations or we fear of most often we we fear that we're going to look like failures in the eyes of of someone else which of course is not logical and it shouldn't matter uh, but but it does so so, what I advise in my workshops, and obviously in the Power to Change, is is to actually delve into what those feelings of failure really are. You know, what are you actually afraid of? And once once you get those fears out on the table, or you speak to someone, or you write them down, you suddenly realise they're not as uh, they're not as large um, as you thought they're going to be, and they're certainly not as as controlling um, or all encompassing. And sometimes you have to. Not just harness your negative emotions, but you have to employ positive emotions to change. I, was, I said before that logic is one fifth of the of the process. There was a great uh, survey done uh, twenty years ago now of, of fifty thousand employees across the world, and it was found that that rational um, uh, logic or rational commitment was only one fifth uh, of the uh, of the answer the other four fifths was actually emotional commitment. If people are emotionally committed to change, and, and therefore that could be yourself emotionally committed to personal change, then the change will occur. If you only have the logic, like saying, I need to run more and I need to eat less, then then the odds of the change being successful are incredibly small. And in, in the power to change, I, I, I came up with this this matrix that, that obviously, but um, that actually includes, uh, it's a really good little matrix on, on one side, it talks about the size of the change from low to high. But on the other on the other axis, which is really interesting, it talks about the degree of influence that you have over the change. So when you have no influence over the change, that's change being done to you versus you're instigating change yourself. And then I talk people through the emotional roller coasters that, that you go through in both of those uh, different halves. So when big change is done to us, we go through the Big change code that everyone is probably familiar with. That starts with with a shock and goes into denial and ends up in some sort of a trough. But even when we instigate change ourselves, we still have a little bit of an emotional roller coaster because we doubt ourselves. We 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 get halfway through and we have buyer's remorse or seller's remorse. What have I done? Is what we think. And and what I talk about in the book is how to engage your emotions to to realize that these are normal emotions and that we can actually overcome them.
0: Uh, Given what's happened (laughs) this year, won't have escaped anyone's attention, uh, and we all find ourselves talking about this um, this change, the fact that there is a new normal, life will never be the same. In some Mm. respects, probably for the first time in a couple of generations, two, three generations, possibly even since the Second World War, I don't know. But for most of us, uh, unfortunately, the one and only time in our lifetime, we've had for, uh, we've had this forced change, haven't we? We've had to deal mm-hmm. with stuff, uh, whether we liked it or not. And many of us have found ourselves to be quite resilient. We seem to have come through the other side, hopefully relatively unscathed. I know that doesn't apply to all of us. But what I'm really getting around to ask you, Campbell, is do you think that the change that's been forced upon us this year will help drive society into becoming more aware and therefore, more welcoming of change in the future.
1: Yes, if we stop and look back on it, I, I, I give uh, podcasts and, and lectures and webinars on, on on this sort of subject. And and to me, it's amazing if we sit back and look at look at the amount of change that we have all coped with, or have to cope with, forced to cope with over the last four or five months. That the, the way that we are. Uh, conducting a podcast now the way that we all conduct zoom meetings and team meetings and it's just become normal working from home that 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 london is is a bit of a ghost town at the moment and i don't think it will ever get back to quite the same sort of level of activity uh, that it was before and i think that's happening in cities all over all over the world some people as you rightly say have had to cope with awful change over this uh, over this period being locked down with you know, with people who are abusive, or in tiny houses, with with multi generations, and and just search, sharing one phone to do homework and uh, and and work on. But even even people in that situation have have been stunned with the amount of change that they have been able to uh, uh, to cope with. So I think as a nation, there's a lot of talk about mental health and about stress, but I think this is increased our resilience it's made us realize that we can actually embrace change even when it's forced uh, forced upon us and even when it's not necessarily good so I think that will help us in the future embrace even more change to be perfectly honest but maybe i'm just maybe i'm just hoping of that one thing that is definitely certain is that there is a new normal i don't really like that phrase because it's bandied about but but it's it's a good one there is a new normal and I think things a lot of organizations a lot of Industries have changed forever now. It'll be fascinating to see what comes out of this, which industries really start to thrive. Obviously, tech is thriving, but which other industries really start to, uh, to thrive and how it changes the way that we live. I, I read a fantastic piece of insight that from, um, from the World Health Organization that said 4 million people a year die before COVID of, of uh, air pollution. And in fact, CDC thought it might be 8 million people die every year from air pollution. So the lockdown that caused half a million deaths, in a sense, saved a million, maybe even two million lives because of the uh, improvement in, in air pollution. It's, there's so much going on in the world at the moment. There's so much volatility. We're not quite sure where it's going to land. But the one thing I think we've learned is that, is that we can cope with and embrace change.
0: Mm. Absolutely, and, and on that subject again, since uh, your CV is uh, is littered with success, uh, but you've moved, you know, one corporate position well, littered,
1: to another. Been success. Well, yes, yeah. <laughs> okay. uh,
0: yeah, uh, But yeah. Okay. Apart from the fact you nearly killed somebody landing a plane, but you know, uh, putting that bit to one side, I think the rest of the CV, uh, most people would, uh, would give their right arm for. But in, in terms of your, your progression through the corporate world, you now find yourself effectively helping other people, which is a, you know, which is an extremely commendable thing to do. I, I'm also interested to know, Campbell, that, you know, dealing with CEOs helping to align their people to a clear strategy. And we've all come across businesses that seem to have a very clear vision, but yet the people within it seem to have their own agenda and often head off in different directions. And it's therefore Mm. very difficult for a company to thrive because everyone has a different way of doing things. How do you work specifically with CEOs, with companies to, to get that kind of common commonality of vision to get everyone singing from the same song sheet to use a far too often used phrase.
1: Right. Goodness me, that really is the $64 million question. Um, The short answer um, is, and I'll give you a slightly longer one, the short answer is the CEO needs to engage everyone emotionally. The CEO just cannot stand up and say, this is the direction we're going and only give everyone the facts for the the right reason for continuing you know for, for changing a direction or for pursuing a particular strategy what what he needs to do or she needs to do is not is firstly engage their team in creating a strong leadership team and leaders of leaders in that leadership team and then they need to engage everybody in the organization throughout the organization and engage them emotionally on getting them excited and fully understanding what it means to um, uh, that this strategy will, will 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 mean. So in the change catalyst, I talk about the key thing is you need to know is it, yes, you need clear clarity of what the strategy is, but you need everybody to get together and understand what the implications of that strategy actually is. And very few CEOs do that. So what I did for a for a, a large investment platform, um, the CEO came in and told me a strategy, and I said, great. Uh, he said, we need to get everyone aligned to my strategy. And I said, no, we need, we need to, you've got a destination. We need to get everybody engaged in helping you to get to that destination. And he said, yes, that's what I meant. So what we did is we, we got all of his senior managers in a room and I stood up after, after the CEO had gone through his strategy and I said, now that's all very well. I want to ask one little question. What could possibly go wrong? And everyone tittered nervously. And I said, seriously, we're going to spend the next two years throwing uh, two hours, sorry, throwing rocks at the CEO strategy to work out what could go wrong with it. Because everybody is sitting there in this room thinking, well, I can see all sorts of issues and challenges and 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 obstacles to success in this. Let's get them all out on the table. And by the end of the day, we not only got all of the obstacles out on the table, which was emotionally. Uh, energizing for everyone. Then we prioritise them, and then we work through. Well, how are we going to overcome each of these obstacles? So, literally, by the end of one day, we had a list of things that um, that we knew could go wrong, some of the implications, and we had started to work out what the actual how we were actually going to overcome them. And and by the, at, right at the last thing I did at the end of the day, I said, "Now, does everyone still agree with the strategy?" And there was overwhelming agreement that this was the right direction to go in so you've got to engage your people everything else is nowhere near as important
0: And the second book, I mean, I know you're working on a third. We undoubtedly, we have to have you back and for a part two on this podcast, and you can tell us all about the third one. But for now, uh, the second one, The, the Power to Change, um, tell us a little bit about that in, in brief terms, so we kind of know what we're looking for. And by the way, I, I will go so far as to say that we do have a copy of each of uh, Campbell's two books to give away to a lucky listener. You know the way it works. You just like and share and uh, and you know the drill by now. But um, yes, we will be giving a a couple of copies away. The rest of you, of course, if you're not lucky enough to win, you will have to buy a copy of uh, Campbell's books. But uh, tell us a little bit about the power to change, well, Campbell.
1: Well, thank you. I'm very excited about this. Kogan Page is is, uh, is publishing this worldwide in, in wow. October, um, which is which is wonderful. It'll be in the US mm. and the rest of the world out on the 3rd of October and then, uh, sorry, UK, the rest of the world, 3rd of October and the US on the 27th. So so very excited about this. I think it's the, the right book at the right time. It's all about embracing personal change. And as you were talking about, is nat, is, has there ever been a, a better time or a more important time that we need to embrace personal change? So that's what it's on about. We talk about technology in it. We talk about climate change. Uh, we did talk about COVID. Strangely enough, it was all put to bed in uh, early January. And then in uh, late February, I contacted the publishers and said, we haven't mentioned COVID once. We (laughs) have have to mention COVID in this book. So there's a really interesting forward about COVID in it as well. So it talks about the psychology of change and most importantly, how we react to change and how to overcome personal change and then how to be your own change catalyst. So to me, it's all life is about embracing change. And uh, this book helps everybody to do precisely that.
0: I will. I will be reading it uh, for sure. Um, how do you deal with adversity, with fear of the unknown, with the what's around the corner? A lot of people do struggle with that, Campbell. So, you know, even somebody who's been as successful as you have, I mean, there must be days where you doubt yourself. You find it difficult to get out of bed. Do you have a do you have a do you have a mantra? Do you have a process by which you overcome these challenges and obstacles in life? How, how do you deal with with that when the when the time comes?
1: uh i've i've i have struggled with with no not struggled with failure that's wrong i have enjoyed failure um in every single time i've tried to do something new um so i think failure is part of the uh of the success process you you can't possibly uh, fail or, as I like to say, have glitches along the road um, <laughs> if, you, if you want to be successful. It just does, doesn't happen that way. Yes, I, I have very low moments. Um, and I think it's, it's natural that that happens. And in fact, that's how I overcome them, by finally realizing that it's normal. It's normal to go through a dip. It's normal to go through a trough. You can't always be up and successful and energetic and energized and positive. You have to have some days where you really doubt that. How am I going to write this book? You know, I have to give a speech in front of X thousand people. What if I'm rubbish? You know, I, I'm I'm running a, a lecture for for for, um, for Henley Business School. What, 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 what if I'm not corporate enough for them? You know, or or why did I say that to that CEO last week? They'll they'll never forgive me. So I go through. Um, Always go through, go through um, uh, troughs. And the number one thing that I recommend to myself and to others is just to realize that that's really normal. And it's a normal yeah. part of embracing change. You go through a rollercoaster of emotions in trying to do any new thing or trying to succeed uh, and yeah. just accept it that that's just part
0: of life. Very, very good answer. Good advice indeed. So where can we find out more about Campbell McPherson? Do you have a social media platform? You know, you, are you the complete opposite of me where you don't know, uh, you know, you know, you know your way around the system and uh, you interact seemingly 300 times a day. I need people to do this stuff for me, Campbell, but um, yeah, and, and yeah, also we'll where can people buy them. your book as well? Where can people well, buy your book?
1: And you can pre-order the Power of Change at Amazon. You can buy the Change Catalyst at Amazon as well. Um, uh, or you, uh, yeah, and that's I think that's the easiest uh, way to uh, way to do it. Um, in fact, you can go to Kogan Page website. I and mean, if we can put on your on your website, if people go to uh, koganpage dot and look for the power to change and type in Kogan Page twenty, they'll get twenty percent off the book. So ah. um, uh, that's always that that's always a. That's always a good thing to do. Uh, you can find out f- about me. There's there's several websites. Uh, Campbell McPherson Speaker or the main one is changeandstrategy.com, which is which is my um, uh, which is my corporate website or my business website. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on I'm on Twitter, but that's I need to get serious about that. Um, but feel free to to drop me a line uh, about anything to do with to with the change or, or this podcast. I'll Be happy to uh, to talk to people.
0: Thank you. And for those listening who don't know uh, who Kogan Page are as a publisher, it basically means if you get your book published by Kogan Page, it's a really good book. So I would actively encourage those of you listening to go purchase a copy of uh, Campbell's book or books in this particular case. I, I only wish that one day one of my books will be published by Kogan Page. Um, we'll have a separate conversation about that, Campbell. Um, so final question. If If we were to give you a piece of paper, uh, and on that piece of paper, a young person were to ask you to write down or verbalise one piece of advice—a kind of a summary, if you like, of everything you've learned along the way—the good and the bad, the successes, the failures. But if if a younger version of yourself were to say, "Campbell, Dad," however you want to picture it, uh, if you condense down everything you know into a single piece of advice, that mantra that I mentioned earlier. Yep. What would that single, simple piece of advice be, the piece of advice that would trump all others?
1: Wow. There's, there, there's, a, um, there's an intro. Well, there would be three things that I'd write down. Firstly would be, I was thinking this about what would I advise my, my younger self, and it would be firstly to like yourself. I think that is so important. To like yourself and trust yourself, but to like yourself. secondly is don't be so hard on yourself um, you' you're not as you' are not as bad as you think you are and you're you're Campbell and you're a lot better than 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 than, than, uh, uh, than perhaps you should be. and this third thing is to be yourself so w- where I've come a cropper in the past is that I've tried to be cleverer than the cleverest person in the room or i've I've tried to be funnier than the funniest person in the room or or more charming than the most charming person, you know, or, or try and match it with the most learned person in the room where, where actually I could just be myself. I could appreciate my strengths. I could accept my weaknesses and, um, and try and change those things that, that I can change. But fundamentally, it starts with liking yourself.
0: Very good. Very good indeed. And uh, I can't quite believe that 30 minutes has come and gone in the blink of an eye. I could go on talking to you for an awful long time because I know there's so much more we can prize out of you. But uh, if you'll be good enough, I'm sure we can organise a second appearance and then you can tell us all about the third book. And that will give you, of course, the incentive to get that finished. And maybe I'll give you a race, uh, my my second book for your third book. How about that? But uh, um, Cameron McPherson, it's been a delight. Thank you so much. I, I was really... and eagerly anticipating speaking to you today. And I know a lot of people listening, the the many, many tens of thousands of people listening from lots of different countries around the world. And hello to all of you. Thank you so much for being a wonderful guest with uh, so many great insights into the world of change at a time that everybody needs uh, to to adapt and adopt to change more than ever. Um, And I couldn't think of a better guest than, than you to share some of those valuable insights.
1: Well, Sandra, it's been it's been a privilege and an honour. Thank you so much.